Hello and welcome to the Road to the Trials podcast. We are in season three doing our intro episodes for the first month, and I am so excited to have someone on the show who I've talked to several times now, Jeremy Rivera. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me again. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm actually just moving my, my camera here. Um, yeah, we're putting these out on YouTube now. I got to get the cameras all set. I mean, we're, we're making this work. Lighting. Um, but this, <laughs> yeah, lighting. We got to make the whole thing happen. Uh, I'm trying to make it seem like, look at, look at my house, right? It looks so clean. I just got stuff like right behind this wall. No, you won't can see that was on that couch over there, but it's nice. Um, <laughs> well, I'm so excited to chat with you. So you're somebody, so you're in a unique position here on the show, the same position that Stephanie Flippin was on during season in one of the shows. So we talked about this during our kickoff episode with Stephanie and Peter Bromka, basically in the position of, hey, my goal is to make the trials. And we're going to talk mm -hmm. all about that goal, but that's a unique spot in terms of um, this situation. I guess we could say that Ramiro Guillen is in a similar spot, but he has made the trials before. So for him to be returning to the trials in, in a sense, um, but as a dedicated amateur runner, someone who has come a long way in the last seven years, and it is, this is a really fun thing. So let me just, first of all, before we get into your background and things like that, just when did qualifying for the trials start to germinate in your mind as a, not only like a far off, like lottery ticket kind of goal, but something that you were actually like, hey, I'm going to go hard for this goal. So the seed was planted in 2020. Um, and I confided in a coach that this was my goal. And he told me to go smoke crack. And so then I, I left this coach and I was like, I'm going to find someone who wants to work on this goal with me. And I found this coach in 2021. And I told him my goal of going from 325 all the way down to what was then a 245 window, and then eventually became 237. So, um, I mean, we've been working at it since 2021, kind of closing that gap, and there's been mishaps kind of in between and obstacles that have arised, but uh, nonetheless, now I am 10 minutes away from that time, 10 minutes and four seconds away from that time. Uh, all the way from 325. So I am on the crack pipe and, <laughs> and I'm, I'm working towards this goal. And so, yeah, that's kind of the timeline of, you know, from when I originally had this idea and was really thinking about it and wanting to pursue it to actually working towards it. Yeah, and we should say like during that time you've been on the Rambling Runner podcast twice, which is my also which is my my other podcast that's been going on now for almost six years. You were in episode two seventy six. That's when you had the, the dream of hey, can I get to can I get a sub three hour marathon? And you were you were doing some really interesting things. I think you had just like set a five k PR of like nineteen oh seven or something in that mm -hmm. range, and you were really on the come up, and you were doing really amazing things even all the way back then. That was I'm looking at the timestamp of that podcast. That was October eleventh. 2020. So that was so six months after the trials or seven months after the trials when you mm -hmm. had that inspiration to, hey, this, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be great if I could build to this? And then about a year and a half later, March 7th, 2022, you came on the show again and you had just broken, you'd just gone sub three, you were doing amazing things. And so we, you know, someone wants to get like the full backstory of Jeremy. I, I advise you to go listen to those podcasts. We're not going to do all of that now. Um, but even back then, I know you were always a hard driving goal oriented person with that said, 
again, it's a pretty audacious thing to be like at 325 having just BQ'd and being like, yeah, you know what? Like I'm going, I'm going to, I want to try to lop off almost an hour <laughs> off this marathon time. Um, when your first coach, I guess, approached your goal as, you know, that this isn't, this isn't realistic. This isn't something that we should really be thinking about. Did mm -hmm. that dissuade you at all? Or were you immediately just on to the next? No, I was fired up from the jump. Um, this was kind of more of a thing of me telling him like, look, this is where I want to go. And you're either with it or you're not. And so, oh, I so you weren't of, soliciting advice. You were just like, this is the plan. Yeah, this is the plan. And it's, what kind of prompted that, you know, as you had mentioned that I went from 325 to, to dreaming of going way lower. Um, when I was, I trained for Boston, it was about six months worth of training. And I went from my PR in the marathon being five hours all the way to like really working at and looking at this 325 goal. And so when I made it within six months, I said, oh my God, that was so easy. And I did the whole race like feeling amazing that it kind of put the seed into my mind. Okay, what else can I do? Because that was way too easy. And I know that a lot of people, you know, their life goal is to be cute. And they work for many, many, many years. And so I thought, okay, if I could do this in six months, what else can I do? And um, yeah. I love that. And in one of the things that has become readily apparent in our two podcasts and just the general correspondence that we've had over the years is that you're a very, very smart, very introspective person. But at the same time, like you're, your hallmark communication style seems to be like, I'm going to tell you what I think. And that's just, and I'm just going to like, again, you're a very well-spoken person, but like, you're not going to like sugarcoat stuff, right? You're going to say, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. And this is why. And, and this is just the way it's going to be. And I find it ex extremely refreshing and also really exciting because it dovetails nicely with like the drive that you have as an athlete. And this is something that I've been telling people for years is that like, I don't know many people who are as driven as you independent of just physical ability. Um, do you feel like that drive corresponds with some of the natural talent you were seeing? Like, do you, are you that driven in all other areas or is it kind of feed upon like success drives the motivation drives the success. And then you have this virtuous cycle. Well, I'm really into the idea of growth mindset and neuroplasticity, all of that good stuff. I don't believe that there are the haves and they're always going to be this way. And then there's the have nots and they're always going to be that way. I'm a firm believer that if you, it does take a combination of having the right people in your corner, having the right opportunities kind of land on your lap at that moment. So I'm not going to negate the fact that I've been very lucky to come across certain people who believe in my goal and work with professionals who were just as equally invested in my goal as I am. Um, but I will say also that the drive to, um, to work on these things comes from, you know, that idea that I believe if you put enough towards a goal and you work hard enough that you can achieve it. Um, I know not everyone's life circumstances are going to facilitate someone making the Olympic trials, but for me, I have everything kind of in my corner where I can really give this a good go. And, you know, the way that I see it, we have a short amount of time on this earth and I don't want to look back on my life and think that I just kind of sat on the sidelines and sat on the bleachers watching everyone else live. You know, 
Um, I want to do something amazing myself. I spent a lot of my years growing up, um, you know, in poverty, not really being, I felt like light years behind my peers in school. Um, and then I got into college and, you know, I did good, but I wasn't spectacular. And so when I got out, or, you know, I had started running in the middle of college, but when I got out, I was like, really motivated to find something new and to work towards and just kind of knowing, like I said, that if I do things in a certain order, maybe it's the Virgo in me, because <laughs> we're very, Virgos are very methodical, but, <laughs> um, you know, just kind of planning things out, taking things step by step, knowing that if I believe in the dream and the vision and I work towards it, I can't, I can put a timeline and say, hey, I want to qualify for the Olympic trials 2024. And that's fine because it gets my butt up off the couch to get out there every day, no matter the temperature, the conditions or what's happening in my life. But I can't control the universe and that timing. And so, yeah, that's kind of a long winded answer, but. <laughs> and then part of that, too, is just the, the confidence that that you have as well in terms of just like knowing this, this self-belief of like, hey, if I do all the right things, this is going to work out. And I know mm -hmm. that I'm capable of doing this. Um, tell me a little bit about your journey just in self-belief and confidence and, you know, where maybe at different points in your life, maybe you had a little bit less or has this been kind of a linear path or you've always been kind of, you know, kind of that higher level of self-belief or just, just walk me through some of that because that's one of the things where just as a fan of yours, and I am always like in awe of because I, I lack that, you know. So I see it in you. I'm like, this is a a huge difference between me and Jeremy Rivera, and certainly there are probably many other huge differences. But like that's like for me, just from a mental standpoint, is a a drastic one. So I'd love to hear more about that from your perspective. Yeah, well, it's funny because I was I've actually been in therapy for confidence because I. I <laughs> I actually don't, I don't think I have it as much as it looks like I do on the outside. So it's a skill that I'm always working on. Um, I do have a lot of imposter syndrome. And so I'm, you know, I work on that by journaling and just kind of instilling and hammering in the fact every day that if I, you know, like I said, have that faith, I'm working towards this goal, that things will align. And they don't always align and that's fine too. I think that a lot of that um, perseverance and ability to keep pushing from when those obstacles arise come from my, you know, my past of just growing up poor and not having things really go in a way that I saw them go for my peers. But um, yeah, you know, when it comes to my confidence, there are a lot of times on the start line where I feel like I don't belong or who am I to, you know, dream of doing an Olympic or running an Olympic trials qualifying time? You know, who am I to put my message out there? Um, a lot of it, I guess, is kind of a fake it, uh, <laughs> fake it to make it kind of thing, you know, but um, at the end of the day, it does, you know, compound on itself. And I do, I won't deny that, because um, I am kind of going into like how I am not confident, there is confidence there. 
Um, but it's something that it's a skill that I've had to build. And it's one of those things that a lot of people, you know, going back to the growth mindset versus fixed mindset, a lot of people believe you either have it or you don't. I believe it's something that you can build on and work on and you can, um, like any other muscle, you know, you can you can work on that so that you feel the ability to be able to come up to that table and put a chair there or come up to the table and start shaking it um, and show other people that you don't have to grow up a certain way to run at this level and you don't have to look a certain way to run at this level that if you you know have the right if the stars all align it can happen yeah and obviously one thing that you've done is you've kind of made your own luck in a lot of ways and, and tried to make the most of circumstances. I know in our most recent podcast together, uh, March 7th, 2022, we talked about a topic that I think some people misinterpreted after the fact, not a lot of people, but just a couple people. And I, they, I got messages afterwards about, and I kind of like set the record straight. I think it was my fault in terms of like not framing it the right way, but you had gone through a situation where like you had lost your job and mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people, during that two-year period had affected a lot of people, right? Yeah. And you were not the only one. And I thought you took a very interesting approach. Basically, you said, hey, it seemed like I don't want to put words in your mouth, and please correct me. I'd love to get your take on it. But it definitely came across as, that sucked. <laughs> I didn't want to lose my job. But you know what? It was very stoic mindset. It seemed like, like all right, like I can't change that. So I lost yeah. my job. I want to get another one. But I'm not going to sit here on a couch and just Netflix binge my way through this I'm mm -hmm. going to like, all right, well, what am I going to do instead? So I don't have a job. Well, I got a lot of time on my hands now. So I'm going to, so I'm going to use it to become a better runner. And it was like this really interesting thing. And again, I don't think I framed it right way in terms of like putting it in that context. I think some people took it as like, hey, she lost her job and decided to like become a pro runner. It's like, no, she was still looking for a job. Um, and it was a really interesting way to approach it. And I love to just go back in time a little bit and sketch your reaction on that period of time because I've lost a job before. And... Mm -hmm. It definitely affected my confidence for a long time, even in retrospect, as like, hey, that really actually helped me professionally because it like pushed me more towards becoming a professional podcaster. So like I wouldn't change anything in retrospect, but at the same time, it still like really affected my pot, my, my confidence and my self-worth and things like that. So I'd love to, for you to take me back to that time and also put it in context of like where you are now. Yeah, so um, it, losing a job will never be a thing that is positive, unless I guess maybe it was really, really, really bad. Um, even in that case, you know, you need the money. Like, no one works for charity. So, um, well, maybe some people do. And uh, good for them. They work for a charity, but they're not working for free. <laughs> yeah, they're, no one's working for free. So, uh, unless you have it really good. So, I will say, I will clear the record, that was one of the darkest points of my life which you know me um suppressing that and powering through it did work for me um as far as just being able to stay the course on my goal and um persist despite what was happening however um doing that so going through it and not really ignoring it, but just kind of moving through it is what kind of landed me in therapy because these things started to build up and build up and build up to a point where I was like, oh my God, I don't even recognize who I am anymore. Like I felt like my confidence was at an all time low. Um, and when I went into therapy, one of the things I said was like, I don't even know who I am. 
anymore because I'm wearing a mask of a person who is not me. Like, I'm afraid to speak up and I'm afraid to really embrace, you know, what I really, really want. And just even, you know, going into Boston, this happened in 2021. So I raced Boston in 2022. I just had this like horrible aching sense of imposter syndrome. So it definitely affected me in a negative way. Um, and then also my husband's dad died. So, and during this period when I lost my job, so this was like, this was so bad. Um, I know that I will try to kind of bend things in a positive way for myself. That is mostly like a survival mechanism for me because, um, you know, I've dealt with things like depression. I know that if I didn't get my butt out of that bed and have something to work towards, and part of this was my coach as well. So my coach, um, I called him up when I lost my job and I had been working with him for maybe a month or two. And I said, well, it's nice knowing you, but I think, I think the road has ended for us because I can't pay you anymore. And he told me, don't worry about it. I want you to focus on running. I want to get you to the Olympic trials qualifying goal. So I'm going to ramp up your mileage. We're going to do more workouts. We're going to go harder. And right now you just have the time to just focus on this. So I think that he was a major facilitator in me just being like, okay, now I get to train. Because had he not been there, it just would have been me on my own, <laughs> jobless. And, um, you know, I was fortunate as well um, that my husband, like, we were able to cover our bills and our food and stuff like that. So it wasn't, I wasn't in a position where we needed to um, rush because we were going to lose our home. But we were in a position where, you know, I had to use my savings to go to Indy to um, break that three hour goal. And I saw this TikTok, this is kind of rambling, but I saw this TikTok of this girl and she was like, have you ever seen a crackhead say that they don't have enough money to go smoke crack? No, they go out there and they get it. And they <laughs> do the same with your dreams. A lot of crack <laughs> references here on the on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the theme. So, I mean, that's a little insensitive. But, uh, you know, it's the, the whole point is I didn't want to use this as an excuse. So I used everything in my savings to save up for this trip to Indy. And my coach was okay with that. He still didn't ask for payment. I don't think I was able to pay him until like eight months later. Like it was a very long time. And um, so, yeah, I don't want to, I definitely don't want it to um, come out as if this was um, the, uh, the highlight of my life because it definitely was not. I just found the little glimmer of light and I held on to that because everything else was so dark and I wasn't going to sit there in that darkness and just take it, you know? Absolutely. And we've referenced him several times now. So we should, we should give your coach a name. Who is your coach? Ron Tab. <laughs> Ron Tab. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I know we talked about him extensively in our in our most recent podcast episode. Uh, again, that was number 417 on the Rambling Runner feed. People should go check that out. Um, now, since our last conversation, I think we'll, we'll dovetail into, into your current training and we'll kind of finish up our conversation about just like why you chose to be on this this series. And I'm so glad that you did. And you're one of the first people I thought of um, once we decided we were going to do season three. Actually, you were the, I think the second person I actually called or sent an email to about joining the show. Um, 
But let's dive into this. So you went sub three, you had, you know, you were really continuing to progress, but at the same time, you were putting in some really high level training um, during that time. And it seems like it hasn't, if anything, it has actually increased over the last year and a half, two years, in fact. So talk to me about, uh, I guess, and you can take this however you want, but again, over the last year, your training, instead of like maybe plateauing, where a lot of people just assume once they hit sub three and, you know, that, you know, it would be a little bit harder to kind of get PRs and you kind of normally have this normal progression of like, all right, the linear progress is over and now we're going to start seeing some plateauing. That doesn't seem to have happened. So what has been your, I guess, your race journey since then? And, and how do you think that you're able to continue to improve where so many people really struggle during this period? So after any race, no matter how it goes, good or bad, even if I blow my PR out of the water, I go straight to the drawing board. And obviously I'll highlight where I did good, but I'll go back and highlight some areas where there could be improvement and there could be room to do a little bit better. And so when I did the three hours, um, immediately I went to back to the drawing board and I was like, well, I could use a little higher mileage. I could do this a little bit differently. I could, I didn't have too much of a change between, um, Indy and Boston, but between Boston and Indy in 2022, um, I started incorporating heavier strength training because I saw that that was an area where I was kind of lacking and that really propelled my running to whole other level and then I ran indie and like I man I don't know what happened but like I got so sick and it, it started the night before where like my stomach was just not feeling right and I got up before going to bed to use the bathroom like three different times and I was like bruh something is not right and then the, the morning of the race I mean I thought I got it all out but then it just came back on the race course with vengeance and so after that experience I was like Okay, because I had a stomach issue at Boston as well, which was totally separate. Like, I think I was I, I had, was coming off of an injury and I was taking a bunch of Advils and I got to Boston and I was just eating whatever I wanted and things weren't going my way. So I had just like we missed our flight and everything on the way to Boston. Like it was a freaking nightmare. So I just stopped eating and drinking. And then it was just a nightmare. So I looked back. After breaking three, having those two attempts with Boston and Indy not go right, I was like, okay, something different has to happen. I view the failure not as a cap on my ability, but a sign that in order to go to that next level, I'm going to have to do something differently. To, in order to unlock that map in that video game, I got to do something differently because I'm not going to be able to move forward doing what I'm doing. So what I saw was an opportunity to fix my nutrition and really kind of nail down what was happening on race day where I would get into that town that I flew into and then would just like go crazy eating the clam chowder and, um, <laughs> and the fried fish and stuff like that, like stuff that I don't normally eat and didn't know how it affected me, um, on race day. So like if you eat clam chowder every week or every day and you know, it doesn't bother your stomach, then that's, great and you should definitely as someone who lives in the spot that you're talking about it's <laughs> it's, a it's tough sledding even for us locals so that that, that is a that is a hard a hard road to hoe okay so i majorly screwed up <laughs> i thought it was because i wasn't used to it or something 
I just went all wrong. Well, I mean, if someone's someone's stomach is literally lined with iron, I think there's a chance it could work out yeah. pretty well. But I think for most part, for most part, I think it's more like the the Michael Scott office meme where he's having fettuccine alfredo right before the five k start. You're like, that's not going to work out great. <laughs> but yeah, just kind of um, looking back, auditing, looking at the training, not necessarily going harder, because I think that's another a misconception some people have. Oh, I just need to go harder. I need to put in more miles. I need to grind myself down. That can break you. So really, you have to be painfully honest with yourself. Look back. Did you come into that? Like something I recently realized about myself after working with a nutritionist that had nothing to do with my actual eating itself really was that if I was in a situation like Boston where I missed my flight or let's say my period's coming I would just shut down I would just shut down and be like I'm not eating I'm not drinking and it wasn't a conscious effort it was just the way that I would handle the stress and so um it was a form of like unconscious self-sabotage. And that was so painful to realize. I know it's not, <laughs> it's not the worst problem to have on earth, but it was very painful for me to be like, dude, I really did that to myself unconsciously taking away an opportunity on, on something that I worked so hard for. And so, yeah, it's just about digging down and really finding the root cause and not necessarily um, like grinding yourself down further. That's a great point, right? Because there's so many things that we can't control. So it is, it is hard to look back with 2020 vision and be like, wow, look at all these things, not only that I could control, but that I controlled really poorly. And that yeah. led to some to, to less than ideal circumstances. And, and that sort of recollection can be really painful, right? Like there's no comparison game that's worse than like the self-comparison game. Because like mm-hmm. that can just live on in, in perpetuity. And it's hard to also rationalize it away, even though we should know better some, sometimes. But it's easy to be like, oh, well, that's that person. I can stop making that comparison. I can do that. But like not comparing yourself to, to, to past versions can right. be tough. You just mentioned something that I wanted to touch on later, but we might as well just hit it now is, you know, not going harder isn't always a solution that you can break down, that there can definitely be um a serious cost to doing that. And I want to touch on that because I think that for a lot of people and even me included at some points, it does seem like you have continued to keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. And there have been really positive results that have come from that, right? You haven't taken Uh like a rest day in like two years. You're lifting really heavy now. I think we're going to touch on that in a a future episode and really dive into that. Um, You're also putting in more miles. It seems like you you continue to push and push and push while still um, not breaking down. So I guess... Guess, I guess it would be great if you get a little more specific in terms of what you mean by that and how you made it work for you um, under the guise of making sure that you don't do too much. Yeah, so a lot of my runs are kind of based on effort. Obviously, I have a goal time that I'm trying to hit, but you know, between one block and another, um, I'm going to run hard. And pushing myself to a point on that run where I'm not even going to be able to make it three miles and my legs are noodles, that's not going to work. I can't force the fitness to come. I can't drive myself into the wall. I can incrementally... Um, pick little things that can help me. So for example, with the lifting, I think one thing that kind of gets missed um, is that I have been lifting, but at home for a very long time. And especially during the pandemic, like for since 2020, 
all the way to 2022, I was just kind of like afraid to go in a gym because those places were nasty before the pandemic. And like now it's just a whole nother level of nasty. And, um, you know, like what's funny is that when I did get this gym membership, I decided I'm going to go in first week. I got COVID <laughs> for the oh, first God. time. <laughs> I was like, you know, when you, yeah, you know, hypothetically in a, in a fake situation where you would download a song back in the early 2000s illegally, <laughs> and then you get a virus and you say, Oh no, <laughs> that was my, exactly. that was my exactly. moment. <laughs> Being like, Oh no, undownload this song, please. Um, so, yeah, it's just about kind of building um, what you're doing in a very small incremental way. So I never went from um, not lifting to lifting heavy. And then I never went from running zero miles to running 80 miles. Like it was very slowly one year I did an average of 45 um, like weekly for a whole year. And then the next year I did like 50 or 55 and then 60. And so it's kind of been gradually building, even though it does look like, um, it does look like I'm like taking this like exponential, uh, curve up. There have been many dips and, um, areas where I've even changed things, you know, like I said, the doing the, um, being more introspective and like looking back on my running and looking at the behaviors that I engage in and the way that that's affected my race day. So there are things that I've done non-performance related that have also helped. And, you know, that could be like sleeping an extra 30 minutes or having an extra, like with my nutritionist, I'm working on having five ounces of water in the morning just to increase my water. Like it starts stupid small like that and then just grows. Let's talk about some of your recent race results, right? Because yeah. I think this is going to be interesting because you seems like you're really focusing on kind of the half marathon, sub marathon stuff. And, and you live, and we'll talk about how exciting this is. You live in the Orlando area. So you have, uh, again, we, we already know where the trials are going to be located. And we'll talk about that announcement and how that, how you, you know, received um, that announcement. But you're in that track shack world like there's it's a great community there's a lot of races and you obviously can travel for races as well talk to me about some of these recent race results because like i like i was saying earlier like these race results just keep getting better and better and while we already talked about you know the the time you have cut as a marathoner also like your half marathon times i think have been really instructive in terms of like where your fitness is and where it's going so talk to us a little bit about your recent race results so I recently ran Houston, like, what is it now? Three weeks ago at 247.04. Yeah, it it's, it's February 8th. Yeah, three weeks ago. Yeah. Someone, oh my God. Anyways. Um, <laughs> it feels like it feels like two months ago. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then six days later, I PR'd in the 5K with 18 minutes, which, oh my God, I was so excited. I, I saw it coming, but I didn't see it coming. Um, and then before that, before Houston, before the 5k, about a month earlier, I had PR'd at the Mount Dora half, which is a notoriously, it's legit hilly. Like, I know Florida hilly is a little bit, uh, you know, not everyone takes it seriously, but this course is legitimately very hilly, minus the last like three miles. I ran 120.43 or 42, something like that. And I got first place. And it was like on an 80 plus mile week 
with hardly any taper and I didn't see that coming at all. Like I was just kind of like, I'm just going to hang on here and see what happens. But yeah, those are kind of my three major like PRs as of recent. All within like the last yeah, three, this months, is ex right? three months. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and, and yeah. you see that 120 when, when again, you're on this progression, you're building, 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 you have big goals, but you just mentioned like you were surprised by that. So it wasn't like everything just immediately like it's like taken in stride. Like, yep, yeah, that's just part of the journey. Here we go. And like all these things are just expected and until they mm -hmm. are realized. So what was that like to like have that kind of finish when you weren't expecting it? And did it just as mentally, what was your reaction to that kind of experience? Um, I was on cloud nine. I was so happy. Not just because of the ability to show where my physical fitness was, because I had done a half marathon um, in October where I thought, man, I had this PR in the bag, like up until the last two kilometers, um, I was going to run a 120 and then the course had like a... Uh, <sighs> It had like a spiraling staircase that you go down and then like a gravel pit. <laughs> was it inside? Were you like on a pirate ship? Like where was this? <laughs> I was I was in a nightmare. <laughs> and the PR just went right out the window. And ever since then, I will never in my mind think that I have a PR in the bag until I cross the finish line. That was a huge lesson. So with Mount Dora, I was like, I'm not calling it until... I cross because who knows, like, I know it's kind of negative, but like, who knows if a dog's going to come out and get me, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> Maybe there'll be a gravel pit at the end of this race. Who knows? So, um, yeah, I was just, I was blown away. Um, it really gave me, um, a huge boost of confidence leading into Indy where I thought, dude, I, I think a big PR is coming and I really believe that the work that I'm doing, working with a nutritionist and everything is working for me. All right. Let's talk about two major announcements that had an effect on your journey and your personal life as well. One of them being when um, a little over a year ago, they announced Right, is it the same weekend as CIM 2021? I think it's when the announcement was made. Um, yeah, it was that Saturday morning. I remember it, remember it perfectly. Um, and they made the announcement that the the men's time was dropping down by a minute uh, in the in that the half and the 26.2, and that the women's time was going to be going down from two from in the half was going to drop a minute from 113 to 112, and that the the marathon was going to drop eight minutes, mm -hmm. so 2:45 to 237 considering that you're the this idea had germinated long before this announcement what was it like for you when that came through um it was expected and just because obviously so many women had qualified before but also in my mind when i decided to chase this 245 um you know when i had discovered that was the window that you needed to qualify i was like what that's it and so um, <laughs> I don't know. That was just my thought is it's like, what? All you have to run is like 615 for the marathon. Oh my God. So I was like, dude, I'm totally chasing. This, this is hysterical. Cause at the time you were running 755s and you're like 615. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I yeah. And I was like 615. I'm this. like, oh, I, I can do that. 
<laughs> I thought, you know, if I work hard enough, I can definitely do that. And I was like, this, I, I think women are capable of so much more. And I said this in the last podcast, I think we're capable um, of running insane times. Like, for example, with Boston, the top 20 women all under 220, you know, I think women are showing up in the run community and they're pushing the envelope. And so that was kind of my thoughts with that is, you know, it was in alignment with what I expected um, and what I believed about the time as well. So it wasn't too much of a surprise at the same time. I was like, okay, I, I knew in the back of my mind, 245 could be doable. It's 237 doable. Now this is kind of like a gray area where I know I can get close, close being within that 10 minutes. Can I actually reach the mark? Um, so to me, it just makes it more exciting. Um, it makes it more worthwhile to chase it and to put everything that I have into this goal to see if I can do it because this time actually seems truly impossible. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the other major announcement. And that was uh, not that long ago when Orlando was chosen as the location for the Olympic trials marathon again. So your, your home area. So when, when that came through, what was your reaction to that announcement? Um, well, being embedded in the community, I had heard some rumors. <laughs> so I kind of knew. All right, well, was... let's just say this. Right, when, you, when you heard that this was going to happen, whether it was the, the full announcement or that when you kind of heard yeah. behind the scenes, I guess, what, what was the reaction when you, when you realized that this was coming to fruition? Um, it was, it's exciting. It's also, it also kind of made me think, oh, crap, this is going to be a hot trials. <laughs> and if you've ever run in the Orlando area or kind of where I suspect it's going to be, there's a lot of brick. So I was like, oh, fudge. Um, I would rather run it somewhere, you know, kind of like where there's a chance of it being cold. Um, and then, you know, if I... I Honestly, like if I don't make it, it's so dope that I'm going to be able to walk out my front door and just go watch it. I don't think that's an opportunity I've ever had in my entire life. So this is just incredible. The fact that I'm not going to have to fly out to Atlanta or Chattanooga to see this. So I, I live in a two bed, one bath, and I am like on the edge of like promising 10 people to come stay here that weekend <laughs> so <I can> party <laughs> the road of the trials party at jeremy's house yeah using it the whole roster down there um yeah. all right well hey last thing before we get going um as i guess as as far as you can predict what are the races on your calendar for 2023 so i have been going back and forth with what's the next marathon gonna be i've committed to a couple <laughs> And then have been like, actually scratch that. But I think right now, what's definitely going to be on my calendar is grandma's in June. And that's going to be, um, that's going to give me an opportunity to ramp up my mileage a little bit more than I did for Indy and do a couple other things differently as well. And then after that, I'm going to try two more times in the fall. Hopefully I don't have to try two more times, but I'm prepared to try two more times. And so I'm looking right. at Toronto and CIM. Oh, so when's Toronto? I haven't talked to anyone who was planning on running Toronto. Um, in October. I don't remember the exact date, but it's either oh. like it's either early to mid-October. 
So okay, so that would give you a solid six weeks, six or seven weeks um, between marathons, and then also because in Toronto, maybe it won't be you know the chance of like you see those hot Chicago days. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's like those 80 degree Chicago days. Also, maybe there's a chance that it's going to be a little bit more temperate. I would guess. Is that, is that kind of the thinking? Yeah. And it's supposed to be flat. And um, I guess with global warming, I'm just going to have to go further up north because. The Anchorage whole... Marathon coming up next. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm going to be racing in the North Pole. It's going to be beachfront. <laughs> so. All right. So, so possibly three marathons. Um, on the calendar, so Grandma's, Toronto, CIM with potential potential alterations, uh, but it doesn't yeah. definitely seems like CIM is going to get quite a lot of people who are in your same boat of people who are like, hey, the goal is to qualify for the trials. This is the last marathon in the window. It's let's make it happen. Yeah, it's literally the day before the window closes. Like no pressure. <laughs> I, love I love it. Well, Jeremy. I guess I said this was the last question, but it wasn't because we do have one question that we talked about before we got on that I definitely wanted to hit. And that is um, what 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 led you to want to be on this show? Right. Because there's a lot of people who have big goals. You are certainly one of them. With that said, it's one thing to you know have a big goal. It's another thing to kind of put that out there like, all right, I have a blog or I have an Instagram or on Strava. I'll mention it a couple of times. It's a completely separate thing to be on a show specifically dedicated to the topic. And you're going to be on it, you know, 10 times over the course of a calendar year talking about this goal. Um, why was this something that you wanted to pursue? Yeah, so this is my passion project. You know, it's my little baby that I'm working on my own. And I have been through many situations in life, I'm sure we all have, that, you know, you go and Google and you you look up like, has anyone else been through this situation? And sometimes you don't find what you're looking for. I hope to kind of be that person that can put my story out there, um, you know, put how I work towards this and hopefully guide someone in the same path that was in my position and show, I mean, even if it's just one person that like I was saying earlier, you don't have to come from a certain background. You don't have to have raced collegiately or have been like super skinny all your life. You can come from a background where you start running in your 20s and you lose nearly um, 60 pounds and you're not a good runner and you have to work on this craft and you have to work on the mental side of it. But if you really persist that this can be a reality for you or maybe maybe I won't make it. Maybe this will be the roadmap for someone else who will make it. But, um, you know, in that case, I feel that my job is done. And that's kind of why I want to share my story and, you know, show others that it's possible. I love that. And I know so many people took a very, very similar things from Stephanie Flippin's um, journey during season one. And this was before, you know, Stephanie is, you know, this high profile sponsored ultra running athlete that a lot of people know and for very good reason, but, at, but leading into that season, like she wasn't a well-known person, right? Mm -hmm. Even in the running community, she wasn't well-known. She hadn't done a lot of the things at that point in her career that she is so well-known for now. I think she came into the series, like her marathon, her marathon, her best marathon was, I think like a 302 or 303 heading into the series and, and things like that. So I think a lot of people took so much from her journey. I have no doubts that the same will be, the same will happen for you and the people listening to this. So Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us on season three and for doing this episode. Thank you for having me. Always a fun time. <laughs>